Hello everyone and welcome once again to the Double View Wrestling Podcast where we are re-watching AEW from the start. You join us a couple of months into AEW's TV run towards the end of November 2019. I am the retired UK Brit wrestler formerly known as Triggerman amongst other wrestling characters. Now known as Sid, with me as always, is Superstar Pete Andrews. A ho ho ho, because it's Christmas. I get it. I was going to say, shall we do this episode to keep it light and in the spirit of Christmas mm. as our alter egos, El Skeletorio Jr. and that 80s guy, Ferris McFly, but I don't know if <laughs> an hour of your Georgie accent and my chime voice <laughs> would be coming for an audience. Yes, it is interesting that El Skeletorio did speak like China. Please, don't try this at home. There you go. That that wasn't China, back from where she went. That is that is Sid. So, like you said, where she went, like there's any ambiguity about it? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what happens. <laughs> I'll tell you where she isn't. She's not in the Hall of Fame. Well, she is. She went in as part of DX a couple of years ago. Yeah, but isn't like X Pac in it like three times? He's in it twice. He needs to go in just as himself, I think, mm. and then go in again as Kane's tag team partner. <laughs> yeah, I want X Pac to be the first four-time Hall of Famer. He he could be in there under different gimmicks, couldn't he? Because he's in there as X Pac. He's in there as six, so he needs to go in there on his own as one, two, three kid. Brilliant. And he's done it. What about his? Uh, what about X Factor? He was he was still X Pac there. Uh, I'm not sure that the faction known as X Factor is overly Hall of Fame worthy, but I guess neither's Vince McMahon's limo driver and he's in, so yeah. I mean was just incredible Vince McMahon's limo driver, because that seems like a, <laughs> a wasted opportunity, doesn't it? Unfortunately not. Right, so we are actually here to talk about Dynamite episode 10 but before we before we get into that, Pete what yes. is your favourite Christmas moment in wrestling? Well there was the one and only um, ECW pay-per-view that WWE did once the brand kind of became its own thing. They had like the one-night stands, which were the yearly thing, but they also tried to do more pay-per-views, and they did one, December to Dismember. Uh, that was a Christmas-themed ECW pay-per-view, which was awful. It had, I think, two matches announced for it, up until like the day that it was going out, and then they just threw a few matches on it, but it was it was terrible. Headlined by an elimination chamber, in which Bobby Lashley became ECW champion, but a bad show, and that was what left made Heyman leave the company. And yeah, it was a catalogue of errors. But that I I I always every time I think of Christmas and wrestling, that always springs to my mind. So my favourite wrestling Christmas moment is probably. Bauer's very own 2006 pay-per-view event, <laughs> Jingle All The Way to Hell. Yes. And I think I think that was me versus Slaymaker. Would make sense. Maybe. Because he's got a Slay name. Should clarify, he didn't actually make Slays. He looked like he should have. Yeah, he did. He did look way more like he should actually just be Santa and <laughs> yeah. and make sleighs. But but the pun was supposed to be playmaker. And then just to really set the gimmick off, his his logo was in the Predator font. Yeah, and good thing about Slaymaker is not a made up name. Is his genuine surname. I think that was also the show where 
me and him fought off backstage and some kids were looking through the window mm. into like the, the back area. And so we kept the fight going and fell through a wall and broke it. <laughs> and then we had to come in on our day off and fix the wall with some plasterboard. Yeah. That was quite fun. I like that. But it, it means Bowers always going to have a legacy to that building now. There's a, there's a bit of us always there uh, refurbished wall it's actually a gymnasium now it um, is, and i did yeah. briefly use it for a while <gasps> but i hated it oh. no windows felt weird didn't oh, like it yeah there you go so dynamite episode 10 where are we when are we and who's with you uh it is the 4th of november 2019 we are in champagne illinois in the us of a at the state farm center uh excalibur jim ross and tony skiavone uh, on commentary for us. Is it really only 4th of November? We have fell, fallen behind then, haven't we? <laughs> we have a little bit. Yeah, we had that uh, show where we did a pay-per-view instead. So, yeah, we're, we're a little couple of weeks behind now. But that's all right. It happens. It, it happens. Does. Right. So, let's just get straight on with the show. The first match is Trios. Yes, or as they were known at the time, Six-Man Tag. It's very gender-specific, and I think you should have a word with yourself. It is. Sorry. Sorry. It's because Aubrey Edwards keeps refing matches. It puts me off, you know. What? No, she's the only one who's allowed to. It's all the male referees. Oh, uh, the yeah, that's right. Or was that just last week? <laughs> who knows? Let's carry it on. Cool. So who's in this one? Right. So it, like we say, it is six men. Uh, we've got Dustin Rhodes. He's teaming with the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson. And they are facing off against three members of... Chris Jericho's inner circle in Ortiz, Sammy Guevara, and Santana. Did that in a weird order. I split Santana and Ortiz up, but what the hell? I've done it now. That's who's in it. They'd probably appreciate that now. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. Uh, And of course, just to set the standard for things to come on the match, Ortiz comes out with the cum sock in his mouth. Cum sock is back. In the mouth is a shame. Um, Don't know what he was thinking there. Maybe it's his own cum and he doesn't mind. In his mouth. Don't know. Don't know what's worse. Your own cum in your mouth or someone else's. Answers on a postcard. Well, it depends if you like cum in your mouth or not. Well, I suppose, yeah. I presume someone else's would be top of the list. <laughs> yeah. I'd have to guess. <laughs> I the other thing that is back, of course, is the loud ring. Yeah, really loud. <laughs> as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, loud ring's back. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure if I just got used to it or if it quietened off by the end of the show. Yeah, but I think this it must first have. Match, it was like, yeah, that's that was really a lot. Yeah, I think it must have quietened down a bit because it, it was really obvious at the start of this match. Uh, it was a good fast start to the match as well. Obviously, everyone here is quite well liked. Even the heel stable in a mm. circle are still new enough to be interesting to the audience. And there was at least 25 seconds of wrestling between Sammy G and Dustin at the beginning. Yes. But only about 25 seconds. And then Santana and Ortiz came in and it was just a bit of a scrap from then on for the rest of the match. Yeah, um, I, I quite like Dustin. He had his tassels on um, to be part of the Young Bucks. Um, they should have called in the old Buck Dustin Rhodes for the match. I think that would have been good. Um, but, you know, it, it joined in a bit. He had his tassels on, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a good opener. Young Buck's always a good team to have as your opening match. They get the crowd going. You you get some exciting stuff from them. Um, and it's already good to see Sammy kind of really developing himself well. Um, obviously, he'd been a bit of a face going in, and then he joined up with the inner circle and it's done him wonders he's obviously 
very keen to listen to the veterans around him because he's just it's, it's night and day really with Sammy Guevara to see how much he's changed and we're we're not that far into him you know being on a, a big platform like AW so it was really good to see here's my conversation point for this match um how good is Dustin Rhodes in this match oh he's great uh, I mean Dustin he, he's had a lot of peaks and troughs in his career if I've been really good then obviously he's had a few personal demons to work through but yeah all his um sort of AW stuff especially this early period he's just he's brilliant he's he's the wily veteran but he can still go um he's pushing himself you know he knows he probably only got a couple of years left as a sort of full-time wrestler but he he pushes himself to the max and he does stuff that he doesn't need to do um but yeah, he's he's always good. You know you're going to get a good share from Dustin. Yeah, he's, he's excellent in this. So he's already announced that 2023 is going to be his last year in yes. pro wrestling. And that's going to put the cap on a 35-year career. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I'm going to say it here and now. I don't think it will happen, but I think Dustin Rhodes should beat MJF for the championship wow. in 2023. <laughs> yeah, I'd be surprised. It would be very nice. Yeah, uh, I don't think my- they'd do it. Um, it would be a good level of humility for MJF, though, because he's always mm. on his bidding war of 2024. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So rather than yeah, rather than using him to kind of big up another young up-and-comer and then they both piss off the WWE, mm. use it as the swan song for a guy who never got heavyweight gold. Mm. Uh, obviously, he's got history of MJF going right back to the start of AEW with the whole Cody turn. Yes. Um, and it would be the thing that, you know, it's an extra kind of up yours to Cody for leaving the company when he did. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, you never got the belt, but look who did. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say he should have it for long no, at all. No, no, no. But I think just, just once, just get that moment captured in the sun and just have it where it's kind of like, I mean, don't even tell him. Like, do everything you can to not telegraph it coming. Right, so when yeah. it happens, it's one of those, oh my God, did that really just happen moments in the ring? Mm, yeah, that'd be, be really nice. And I think we're going to get some belting matches from Dustin because he can still go. It's not like he's going, I'm completely broken down. That's why I need to retire. He wants to retire while he still is decent. And I think he's going to try and give us some of the best matches of his career in this last year of his career. So it's, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Definitely. Definitely. It should, it could be his best year. It could, it could, but that that's putting a lot of pressure on the guys. So let's not well, do true, that. True. Uh, back to the match and a cum sock to the dick. <laughs> Yes, back to where it came from. So after a bit of a shine there from Dustin, there is a cut off with the sock. With bas- there, there is baseballs inside it. I should I should remind people it is not just a jizz sock. As much as it might look like one, it <laughs> it's is. Not, it's multi-purpose. It's multi-purpose. Yeah, you can, you know, keep whatever you need in it. So we're told, you know, it, I haven't seen the baseballs go in. So, but have you seen the cum go in? Pete, sorry, <laughs> it's a family show. Oh, is it? No. A few. <laughs> uh, there's a nice 6.30 cent on splash from old Sammy in this one. I mean, I don't really need to say who did that one. Even the Bucks, <laughs> as good as they are, and as aerial as they are, I don't think they'd be busting out uh, a six 6.30 cent on. No, they're a bit smarter than that now. Um, yeah, Sammy does it. Uh, Ricochet does it on occasion. When he first joined WWE, it was his, his go-to finish, and he soon sort of stopped doing it. I think he... Even he, that Ricochet, who is kind of does crazy things, it's a bit like I shouldn't be doing this that often. Um, 
yeah, it's, it always looks rough. I, I can't imagine that feels nice landing that one. And of course, the other big spot in the match was the shooting star splash from Sammy whilst he was vlogging with his mobile phone. Yes, yeah, yeah. And what I loved about that is when he missed it, uh, and he's he's crashed out on the mat. He's still got the presence of mind to look at his phone and click stop record to its aid. <laughs> That's it. He's a professional. Really sold the spot there. Yeah. He is, yeah. Yeah, he's well into it. Uh, and th- that was kind of one of the big break spots leading into the finish, which was a big convoluted setup where they did a senton into a double pile driver. Mm-hmm. Big, big schmozzy mess, but quite good fun. And it does kind of sit in with the belts driver. Um, and all the senton splashes they do. So it wasn't an unsurprising move, even though it was quite a unique move. It did make sense for the characters. Definitely. And that means the the old and young Bucks get the win. Yay! Good on you, young Bucks and Dustin. What would you call an average age Buck? Is it just a Buck? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because they might want to rebrand the young Bucks by now. Bucks, <laughs> yeah, before it's too late. And then they're the old bucks. Nick Jackson's hairline looks like a, an old buck. Nick Jackson's hairline looks like a wayward son. Oh, nice. So, Kansas. And we're allowed to mock it because we're both bold, so... No, Pete, we're bold by choice. It's a difference. Oh, right, yeah, of course we are. Yeah, forget that. SCU. <laughs> Just bold by choice, 2018. <laughs> right, let's move on to the second match of the night. It is a singles competition between two men who are perhaps better known for tag team action yes it's ray phoenix versus trent with a question mark because that's how he was at the time he wasn't trent beretta at this point um i'm guessing wwe had trademarked that name because he went by trent beretta in wwe he did use it in new japan for a bit and then stopped so i'm guessing there was some sort of cease and desist but now I guess it's been long enough and they don't really care. Um, he can be Trent Beretta again. But at this point, yeah, just Trent. They saw him with Chuck Taylor and thought, well, he's never going to be worth anything again. <laughs> they don't have the name. Maybe so, yes. Is that unfair? Probably. <laughs> so talk us through your favourite spots in this match then, Pete. Yeah, it, it was good. Um, there was a lot of work on Trent's neck in it. Um, and when you remember... Like, not so long back, he was out for a considerable amount of time with neck surgery. When you see neck spots on someone who has neck surgery, you're like, oh, yeah, I can see why you probably had to go for that. Um, and it's kind of uncharacteristic from Ray Phoenix. He's normally he's a bit of a, obviously, very much a flyer. That's what he excels at. But, yeah, he was doing some really sort of stiff stuff to Trent's head and neck air in this match. Um, and Ray was playing very much a heel, which, again, is quite an odd thing to see because... At the minute, he's in this best of seven series against the Elite, uh, where he's on kind of a heel team, but he's the face of the team and he doesn't want to do the underhanded stuff. We'll see later on in the show where he, he's helping his brother out and he does some really heel stuff. So it's kind of jarring to see, especially when you're watching, re-watching these shows and then watching the new stuff, how Ray was quite comfortable being a bad guy who cheats at this point and then now... Not so much. Yeah, you do tend to think of Ray as being more of the clean one in the team. Yes. Penta's just, Penta's always just filthy. Mm-hmm. Dirty boy. That's why he works so well with Pac, doesn't he? That's it. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite parts of this match wasn't something that actually happened in the match. It was a shout from an audience member of the crowd. Oh. Very early in the match shouting, you look like Ray Mysterio's dad. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I think Ray's probably got that about 15 years on Ray Phoenix, but, you know, 
Take it as a compliment. That's where Phoenix gets the Ray name from. He is a big fan of Ray Mysterio, and he, he took the Ray part of his name in honour of Mr. Mysterio. But didn't go the whole hog and call himself Ray Mysterio Jr. Jr. No, no. Such, such a shame. Obviously, we've got Dominic Mysterio wrestling in WWE at the moment. Um, one of those wrestlers who isn't like his dad. <laughs> and never will be but you know it, had he not got the name he's got probably wouldn't be on uh national television week after week but you know these things happen yeah and Ray ripley does seem to be in the making of that one so yeah that's the thing i think making him heel aligning with Rhea ripley and, and finn balor and damian pre seems to have done wonders for him um i think at first he was trying to wrestle a bit like his dad and it's like that's not easy for anyone and you're a lot bigger than him so you shouldn't probably be trying to do some of the stuff you do and i think maybe using some of his other dad eddie guerrero's uh move set and mannerisms works a little bit better for him but yeah that's modern day wwe not aw it's weird that we ventured into that but um it, it's all relevant it's all relevant so my other question to this match again sort of talking around the match uh, what happened to Trent Barretta's hair? Yeah, he had he had his luxurious hair, and he did start wearing that headband for a while. He got a bit of the knack, Nick knack, knack Jackson, uh, Nick Jackson about him, where it was obviously receding a bit and was hidden by the hairline. And yeah, up until he uh, took time off to sort his neck out, he had his long hair, and then when he came back, that's when he was bold boy choice. That's that is the best thing to do. That you get to a point of hair loss where it's like. Just call a day on it. It's yeah, done. That's it. Yeah, it's you done. need to. You need to. Especially when you're wrestling, because you can, you can, you might be able to get away with it, like Shawn Michaels did for a few years. Mm-hmm. But then, like when when you into the match and it, you, you can't hide it because it's wet and slopping to one side. You can't. I think that's why HBK retired. It wasn't like, oh, I'm getting a bit old. Oh, there's new guys coming up that are going to be better than me. I'm, I'm feeling my age. Now it's because his hair. He couldn't hide the hair anymore. And then he did that. Damn comeback where he was bold and it made me feel sad. Do you think anyone in Saudi Arabia had any idea who that was when he was getting that bold? <laughs> I pretended I didn't know him at that point. I thought he was a Make-A-Wish kid. <laughs> There's an action figure of that as well. Mattel released an action figure of bold Shawn Michaels. Looks like Nick Gage. Well, I mean, Nick Gage, probably unlikely to get his own action figure, right? Well, he's got one, um, you know, Matt Cardona at... Oh and the major wrestling figure podcast, they release their own brand of action figures. And he's got one of those that's kind of modeled on the old Hasbro's. And I think he's got a Bendem as well. So he's got, got, yeah, they brought back the Bendems. Um, They're called major Bendies now. (laughs) Good gimmick name. (laughs) Indeed. Something else I want to discuss about this match is you've got um, Ray Phoenix's, he sort of does the six one nine in the ropes, but not as an offensive move. He does it as a kind of a kind of swing back reversal from a momentum shift. Well, that's how Mysterio did it originally. Originally, he didn't use it as an offensive move. It was it was much like Phoenix does it. Right. Okay. Well, you see, Ray Phoenix busts out in every match, and there's another chap in AEW who goes under the bottom rope, skids out, grabs the ropes, and pulls back in. Um, I can't think who it is who does that. Who does that? It's Wheelie Wheelie Utah. Wheelie Utah. Thank you. And like both times, they don't look any. They don't. They don't look like they give you any extra momentum compared to just walking backwards without hitting the throat. Yeah, it's a bit like that um, 
clothesline, rebound clothesline, where Moxie used to do it, Nigel McGuinness did it all the time, and Carlo Riley does it, where they kind of fall through the ropes, spring back and do a clothesline. That always, what is that adding? It just looks mm. more awkward than just doing a decent clothesline. Yeah, Mox has got quite good at kind of bouncing off the second rope yeah. and then coming back with something. Um, but that it, it look, he's managed to make that look quite natural. But the one where you go kind of almost flip out under and then come yeah, back in, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, it does look it does look a bit forced sometimes. But I really liked in this match where he used that six one nine as a leg sweep as mm-hmm. Trent was climbing up the turnbuckle. Yes, Trent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he kind of swoops off. And whiplashes back first onto the turnbuckle. That was a very cool little spot. Yeah, that was I one of those moves that. where I felt for Trent's neck. I was like, "That's one of them, isn't it?" That's yep. <laughs> done you in a bit. So yeah, that was that was a a snappy landing on that. There was also the double foot stomp onto Trent on the apron. Yeah, uh, but that looked far far worse for Ray Phoenix because he, <laughs> he he looked like he was trying to pull it and do his best to protect Trent, and he just tumbled out arse over. And yeah, that didn't look good. Didn't look good at all, um, but everyone's all right, and they carried on. Um, I I wasn't expecting to finish to this match where Ray Phoenix finally hits the muscle bus- buster, mm-hmm. sit out spin for the win. The Mexican muscle buster is sometimes called. Yep. Um, and what was nice about that was it was teased very early in the match. Ray goes for it, but obviously both men are completely fresh, and Trent escapes out the back door. Yeah, we had some big moments like that. Uh, Phoenix kicks out of the Dude Buster, the renamed Crunchy. Uh, in this match as well, um, which is like because that's what beat him last last time we saw these two in a in a ring together. So it was cool to just see that sort of little bit of storyline storytelling going on. Yeah, nothing nothing turns me off a match more than a big match hit to a big move hit too early. Mm. Oh yeah, but yeah. a big move teased and reversed because the other guy's fresh. Love mm-hmm. it. Yes, because it, it it helps tell the story of why you don't just hit your finisher and leave early. Yeah, that's it. You have to work up to it. So there is there is very strong storytelling in this match. Mm-hmm. And after the match as well, when Ray Phoenix will not shake hands yeah. with Trent. Um and that causes Trent a little bit of a heel turn there for the best friends. Well yeah, he wasn't he wasn't best pleased. He wanted that wanted that handshake and yeah, he got all pushy, didn't he? So yeah. Chill out, Trent. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Hmm. Obviously having a bad day. Well, will it continue? Is he gonna is he gonna go all mean and evil over the next few weeks? We'll have to keep watching to find out. You already know, of course, Pete, because you've seen it and I haven't. Yes, but I'm excited to be reminded. Then we cut to the most pointless promo tease of the evening, where we see Cody walking backstage. Mm, yes. absolutely pointless but at least he is on the way to the ring it's not like two hours before he gets to the ring true true so quick ad break of the comeback and the next segment is Cody in the ring well actually Cody does his full entrance first of course in his suit he wouldn't not would he Um, oh Cody mate you're meant to be face and he's just he really knows how to turn me off. This I'm like, when Cody comes, oh, yes, Cody. I like Cody. And then he cuts promos like this. I'm like, you're so unlikable. Like, what? Why am I supposed to like you? You're showing how rich you are and what great suits and watches and shoes you've got. It's like, I'm not, I don't, I'm not, can't connect with you at all. You're an arsehole. <laughs> He's a man of people, Pete. He's a man of people. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. You know. Even if he is trying to give away his limited edition, one of only 300 <laughs> Ford Broncos and his nice designer shoes and his expensive watch that was a present from Tony Khan that he just throws on the floor. 
Um, so just to get people up to speed, the whole idea of this is MJF is refusing to confront Cody in the ring, and Cody is like, I'll pay you. I'll give you my car, my shoes, my my watch, my wallet. $50,000 in cash, but it's not, is it? It's $49,000. That's right, yeah. Because he gives, he gives $100 to the kid in the crowd who doesn't look bothered. No, he had his little suit on. Clearly a little Cody fan because he's dressed up like Cody. Uh, yeah, and got hundred dollars. Like, oh, I wanted more. You've got a big case full of money there. Can't I? Can I have that? And you keep a hundred, maybe do it that way. Yeah, as you said, it is a very confused promo because you, they do make well. Cody makes himself quite unlikable. Mm. But even before we get to that, we have Tony mentioning the butcher blade and the bunny beat down the week before, right? Which Cody then sort of ignores, and mm. there's no reaction from the crowd or coding for this at all so why why did it happen yeah and then cody reminds the crowd he can never challenge for the belt again mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm just thinking well that's your fault <laughs> yeah, yeah you came up with that no one pushed you into that that wasn't a jericho idea you just willingly gave that stipulation up yeah i can't really feel bad for you cody i'm sorry no and he's got some really weirdly flowery almost poetic rhetoric here and it just doesn't really go down and then he accuses mjf of being a bush league nwo version of jericho yeah that was a weird line i don't see that from him at all no yeah so odd so odd i i I, cody's one of these guys like you know he gets all these grand ideas for a promo in his, his head and he's like they're gonna absolutely love this I know as soon as I say it, they're gonna they're gonna be popping, and he does it often, and he'll say stuff, and people will go, "I don't really understand that." Yeah, keep keep it simple. Keep yeah, it yeah, simple. exactly. Yeah. So what was interesting about that is straight afterwards we go to a backstage Joey Janela promo, mm. and he does the most ECW Stevie Richards <laughs> promo. Yeah, <laughs> I have seen. <laughs> Since the nineties, absolutely fantastic. Um, it's not. It's not a great. This is what's so important to mention. I think this is something AW meets. Joey Janela doesn't cut a great promo here. No, he cuts a really, really average promo which hits all the beats. Yeah, who he's fighting, why he's fighting, and what he wants to get out of the match. Mm-hmm. And then Moxley comes out and undermines it in quite a funny heel queen away. Yeah, by just looking at him, looking at the camera and saying, "It's <laughs> yeah." So uh, it kind of kills the angle a little, but we know it's not going to be a low angle, uh, a long angle. But of course, yeah. It's just not every match has to be good. Not every promo has to be the best promo of all time. Mm-hmm. Because, as we always say, it's like watching a Michael Bay film. If every scene is the most important scene in the film, none of the scenes in the film are important. That's it. And AEW screens at you so much. Look how good we are. We've got the best people, the best talent, the best matches. And it's like, if, if you did, you wouldn't have to say. Yeah, that's right. Exactly that. Yeah. So, from the confused Cody promo to the really, really on-the-button average Joey Janela promo, <laughs> we get a bit of go-home heat now. Peter Avalon and Lever Bates, the librarians. Um, yes. And you know what? <laughs> the only reason I'm even mentioning this little bit <laughs> they have before the advert break is I clocked that Lever Bates is holding a DC mm. Rebirth era graphic novel. She is. Uh, that's the only reason it's worth mentioning. But do they know... It's Christmas. They don't have to do this promo, uh, these characters. They don't... Mm. You don't have to be librarians. You can go, oh, this isn't working. Yeah, it's... it's 
it it did go on way longer than it really needed to. It's like it was a gag on BTE. Yes, do it once or twice on the shows, but it was clear from day one it, it didn't work. Um, so transition to something else for these guys. They've done it now, but you know, it's a bit AW they they can hold on to things a bit longer than they have to. Um, and yeah, and it's not like you can say, but they tried. They tried. To get, they didn't. It was it was sent out to die from day one, um, so yeah, it's it's not doing either either person any favors. Then they did a quick dark order promo, but we're going to come back to that in a minute. We're going to stay in the ring with Lever Bates, who is in solo action against who? Pete Nyla Rose. I've heard of her. Yes, um, very very quick match. A minute thirty six. Lever Bates clearly wins. Of course, she doesn't. Nyla Rose. Um, Beats the tar out of Lever Bates. Um, hits all her big signature spots. Um, Lever doesn't really get much of anything um, to be expected. But it was very much a way to uh, reassert Nyla Rose as a dominant force. Uh, she's had a couple of losses to smaller people, as most of the opponents she'll have will be smaller than her. Um, and it sets up a nice little angle at the end uh, for Nyla. But yeah, the match itself is much of nothing. So the the only highlights of the match really, there was a double, double choke slam from Nyla yep. to both Peter Avalon and Lever Bates. That was very nice. And then she hit her finish of the beef bomb for the win. She probably didn't need to. She already had it won. But yep. it's nice to cement that. And all this happens, of course, while Britt Baker is looking on. But the <laughs> no. funniest part of the match. Did you know what this referenced? What the Britt Baker bit? No. Because <laughs> like, when I was watching, it, I was like, I forgot they did this. And yeah, there is a there is a reason for it. Go on. Uh, and I wasn't sh- I wasn't sure if you'd know. So, um, as they mention, uh, they cut to a very concerned looking Britt Baker in the crowd, and they go, "Oh, that's Britt Baker. That's Adam Cole's girlfriend." Now, at the time, Adam Cole was uh, in WWE. He was uh, a prominent part of NXT at this point, and I can't remember the exact match, but it, I think it might have been one of the War Games matches. Um, Adam Cole took a really big bump off the top of one of the cages uh, and it cut to um, Britt Baker in the crowd who'd obviously gone to see Adam Cole in action for one of his big matches. Um, and I think at the time, the, the WWE camera crew had no idea that she was a wrestler or she wrestled for like the rival company. So they, they focused on it and, they get, and the commentators go, oh, that's, that's Adam Cole's girlfriend looking all concerned at the fact <laughs> of taking this big bump. And apparently Triple H was really apologetic. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry we put you on camera because he's in the WWE mentality of if it was the other way around, if Adam Cole was in an AW crowd, he'd be suspended, fined, blackballed from wrestling forever. And it's fine. Tony Khan won't care. That I was, I was shown in the crowd. It's, I went it's to not see good. my boyfriend wrestle. Yeah, exactly. That's interesting. And that's why they did it. They just did it as a little joke, um, referring to that. Well, my favourite part of this whole very nothing match was before the match, we get a quick little little package, which shows Nyla Rose attacking Shana at a fan event while yes. Jimmy Hammock looks on smiling because <laughs> he, he likes, yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he just likes watching women get smacked about. Apparently, mm, um, oof, allegedly, yeah, allegedly, honor. yeah, yeah. So, obviously, you've, you've sat there watching it thinking, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen. She's going to keep beating down Lever Bates after the match has ended, and then Shana's going to come out with a bit of big face fire behind her. She's going to get a few chops in on Nyla Rose, 
Nyla Rose is then going to powder, look a bit scared, and then in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to get Shana versus Nyla Rose. That would right? make sense. That's how wrestling works. Yeah. Instead, yeah, what happens <laughs> is <laughs> Nyla Rose does the beatdown on Lever Bates. Mm-hmm. He beats down Lever Bates. Then Shana runs out, face fire. Yeah. And Nyla almost instantly shuts it down and just starts beating the crap out of her. Puts a referee through the table and then puts Shana through the table that's already collapsed on top of the referee. So, yeah. well, there's no point having a program around that anymore because Shana's obviously a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, completely pointless. And they set up a little angle. It's like, oh, you know, Shana probably won't win, but be a nice little match here. Nah, just don't worry about that. Let's just skip to the end. Referee Rick knocks through the table. <laughs> No suspensions, no fines for Nyla. It's fine. And no one else from out the back can be bothered to come out and help Shana, the nice little face who just tried to help. There's no need, is there? My only hope from this is that we never see Shana again. She's dead. That was it. Like, in AW storyline, she tried to help once, never again. I reckon that might be the case. Because, yeah, she was on a few bits and pieces here and there early on. But, yeah, she soon disappears. It might be when... The pandemic hits. Obviously, she's not an American citizen, um, so it could be that's that's the last we see of her. But yeah, she's she's not much longer for AW. That's for sure. Thought you meant she got COVID. Oh, she might have done. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> right, let's show how it's done now with a Jericho promo. Mm. Um, I did. I know I've said a couple of times in the last few weeks that I enjoy these, but I also don't want to see them every week. Because that's wrestling. You don't want to see anything every week. It gets repetitive. Yeah. Um, and it reminds me of the McMahon Helms era when you just get these long rambling promos. But it is Chris Jericho talking about how successful the little bit of bubbly has been. <laughs> now it's on the market. Um, the website, I checked, the website still exists. I checked it last week and forgot to mention. It still exists, but you cannot add the bubbly to the car. Uh, there's a really cool uh, Jericho action figure that comes in a, a Jericho a um, little bit of the bubbly bottle. That's quite cool. Do you have it? I don't have it, no. But it is it is smart. It came out around... It was one of the very first AW releases, figure-wise. Um, but yeah, it's cool. Jericho mentions a list, and there's a cheap crowd pop, because that was obviously a big thing for his gimmick in 2006 WWE. Um, and for a second, you think the crowd have got one up on Jericho, but no, no. He was totally expecting that reaction. Oh, yeah, played for completely. Absolutely played for. And it it isn't a list. It's a <laughs> lexicon of people he will not defend his belt against. Yes. Of course, he could beat them, but he why, why should he bother? He's Chris Jericho. He is Le Champion. Yeah, so it's a, it's a good merging of the list of Jericho era and his list of moves that he knows from WCW. It's, it's a it's a greatest hits of both of those. Yeah, very, very cool. I, I also like Excalibur's line when Jericho says, it's a lexicon of Jericho. Excalibur goes, I don't think he knows what that word means. That made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, spot on. <laughs> uh, so from the Stevie Richards ECW promo, this is classic Jericho WCW, isn't it? It really oh, yeah. Yeah. just takes you straight back to that. And it's not just us. He mentions two cold Scorpio. He does. <laughs> um, and I'm pretty sure he's about to say Marty Giannetti <laughs> when Jurassic Express music hits and ruins the fun for everyone. Yeah, what we must point out is much like his list of moves he knows where he kept mentioning the armbar, 
he kept mentioning John Mox's name as someone he wouldn't wrestle uh, when he was reciting his list. Uh, John Mox's name came up more than once, which I found very amusing. I think he's scared, Pete. I think he's running scared. He might be. So you get a face down between Luchasaurus and Jericho, and this is quite good fun where they hand the mic off to Luchasaurus and he just kind of grunts and growls a bit, which is sort of how he's portrayed now, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jericho kind of says, like, I'm going to wrestle one more time this year. These are the people I'm not wrestling. And yeah, that's why it gets answered by Jurassic Express. Best bit of that for me was probably Luchasaurus saying, we've been marginalised for 65 million years. (laughs) (laughs) Jericho replies to that with, well, I'm definitely not wrestling Jungle Boy because I think you're a piece of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Um, Right. And points out that Marco isn't just small for his age. Marco's stunt is is small for any age. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a very quick beat down. Jericho and Jake Hagar powder. Jericho throws one of his tantrums as they do. Mm -hmm. And that somehow, in AEW logic, means a match has definitely been set for December 18th, despite none of the five men really mentioning it. No, kind of Jericho mentions a lot to Jungle Boy, you wouldn't last 10 minutes with me which kind of sets up very clearly where this match is going. Um, but yeah, so it, it is going to be Jungle Boy versus Jericho. Can Jungle Boy last 10 minutes with Chris Jericho? Watch this space. I love it. I love it. <laughs> they did just, it was like, it was all there except the bit where they actually set the match and then yeah. the commentators just kind of do it and hope that no one notices. I think mm. they got away with it until we pointed it out. Yeah, true. So we are back to singles action. It is another women's match. Nice to have two on one show, finally. I think this might be the first TV where they've had the uh, the Stones to actually do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You might be right. Who have we got? And what are they mad about? So it's Chris Statlander uh, versus the number one contender, Hikaru Shida. Uh, very excited to see this match. I was I'm a big fan of both of these wrestlers. Um, so yeah, exciting stuff. But yeah, Hikaru Shida has been well pushed um, at, to this point. She's won several matches and is the number one contender to Rio's uh, Women's Championship. Excellent. So we talked about Chris Statlander and her background in the company. Um, I wanted to touch on it one more time because I haven't had a satisfactory answer yet. Yet, <laughs> right? What, what is what is the alien thing about? Why uh, did she think she's an alien? Yeah, I, I don't really no i mean i guess she was looking for something that hadn't been done in wrestling before and you know just because something hasn't been done doesn't mean it needs to be done um but it you know i i guess it got her noticed she doesn't do it now she's kind of moved on from it um but yeah for the up until this point like anything she did whether it was in aw or elsewhere it it was she was an alien and it's not really touched on that much other than the fact that they mention it in her entrance and she boops people's noses, which apparently is what aliens do. But yeah, it's, it's a strange one. I, I think she was just literally looking for something to set her apart that hadn't been done, but didn't play on it too much. I've got two questions. Has she ever come out to Cosmic Girl by Jamiroquai? Nice. Don't believe so, but yeah. That would probably sell her gimmick better than anything else has done. <laughs> yeah. And two, did you know it's just before the match starts where the referee Aubrey is kind of wagging a finger at both wrestlers asking for a clean match. Mm-hmm. As she's got the finger pointing at Chris Statlander, Chris Statlander kind of reaches out slowly with an E.T. finger. Yeah, well, that's what she did. She would do that and she'd like, boot, pe- like boot people on the nose. That was, a, that was her thing. 
that was that she did to lots of people. But yeah, yeah, very cool. I've seen, I've seen the boop a lot, but right. the I hadn't I've never clocked the ouch right, before. Right, right, right. <laughs> there you go. E. T. impression and a China impression. That's two in one show. You are spoiling us. You're like the Ferrero <laughs> Rocher man of wrestling podcasts. So as much as I like Chris Statlander, and I do like Chris Statlander, mm-hmm. she's not quite there in this match. And it might be because it's her first singles match on TV. Like yeah. big big AW focus. She looks like she's doing moves, not that she's wrestling a match. It looks like you, you can kind of see her kind of stop and go, and now I do this move, and now I do this move. Yeah. It just it doesn't have the flow you would hope for. But she gets there, she does get there. Oh, definitely. Um yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I did really enjoy this match. Um but yeah, you you could tell Stat was kind of I've got to do this, I've got to do this. This is how I do this. And, you know, Shida is clearly a lot more comfortable in the ring than Statlander is at this point. Um, and it's it's not a bad person for Statlander to be in the ring with someone like Shida, who is so confident in who she is, what she can do. Um, and like you say, Statlander soon picks it up. Um, it, it might have been first night nerves. I mean, she was still very, very early into her career at this point. She hadn't been around that long. Um and that was kind of the case with a lot of people that came out of the, the Creator Pro um, wrestling school. They they kind of, they were put on big pedestals very quick. And some of them were brilliant. Like MJF is from the same school and obviously he just got himself straight away. But yeah, it took some of the others a little bit longer. And it maybe they were thrust into the spotlight a little bit quicker than a lot of other people normally were. You do sometimes get that in development where you get a, a cluster of a group of people who are all talented, mm. but they kind of accelerate the progression of, of the whole cluster just by all being so good at what they do. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, the, like, the, the most famous one is probably that wrestling seminar which gave us like Edge and Christian mm. and like Albert and was testing that was test, we were already there. Yeah, but there was, there, there was like Venus, six yeah. or seven people. It's yeah, crazy to think. And of course, there was one year in Ohio, Ohio Valley Wrestling had like Batista, Brock Lesnar, yeah, John Cena. Cena. Cena it's just Orton. like I've yeah. seen. Yeah, ridiculous. Like when the worst guy that came out that sort of very Shelton Benjamin, who you know he's great yeah. in ring, yeah. but he just has never quite got that character down when he's like the worst of the bunch is like that's a pretty good class yeah he's it's it's always been timing with Shelton Benjamin he's got the Mm. best timing in the ring but he's always there's always just more upper card people around him at the point where he's trying to push through Mm -hmm. but yeah he 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 made his money he had his career though that's for sure he's he's still in Um, WWE now so he's he's doing all right but I had made note here about how we should talk about how good Hikaru Shida is. Uh-huh. Probably the most consistent woman overall in AEW's women's division in my book. Yep. I think she's always on par. But we're already running a bit long this week. We're going to see Shika- uh, Hikaru Shida in the future. We're going to table that discussion for another day. Okay. Did you enjoy this match overall? I did. Uh, like you say, it was a little bit clunky to start with, but they, they soon found their feet with it. And yeah, and seeing Statlander win as well was a, a surprise. Obviously, we said Shida is the number one contender at this point, so to her to suffer a loss to someone having their first sort of singles match was quite... Oh, okay. Didn't see that coming. Yeah, she gets the win back from last week's tag match where uh, Hikaru Shida pinned Chris Statlander, and we thought that was a bit odd at the time as well, so mm. they've obviously undone undone that a little bit. Uh, it was a cradle tombstone Pile driver for the win, which is called the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, uh, don't it. hate at me. I didn't name it. 
and that's that's an unranked wrestler beating the number one contender Shida. So that's mm. interesting. Yes. Um, now I really enjoyed that match as well, despite some clunkiness in it. Mm-hmm. If you didn't like that match, it will seem better by what immediately followed it. <laughs> of course. Oh boy, it's yeah. the Brandy verse. It's Awesome Kong, who I really like, mm-hmm. with Brandy Rhodes, who I really don't. Right. It's a, another really crap flowery promo that doesn't make much sense at all just like Cody's it makes no sense what she's saying yeah um she's saying that people always love what they don't know and the reason why they love what they don't know is because they're scared of it and it's like no no brandy the saying is people always feel the unknown yeah 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 <laughs> people like comfort and the familiar so she got that completely wrong so they want to cut off Chris Statlander's hair and join her into the newly anointed Nightmare Collective. That's it, yeah. An offshoot of the Nightmare family thing. Yeah, it's... yeah. Chris Statlander doesn't seem to get it whatsoever, or really react to it in any way. <laughs> yeah. There's some rando, and you're probably going to tell me who, which wrestler's wife this is. There's some rando in the front row mm-hmm. who is like, oh, I love, I love you, Brandy. I want to join. Can I join? And they get her to the ring, and through a long, painful advert break, they cut her ponytail off, and then they bring out a pair of clippers and try and shave her hair. But as always happens in wrestling, you can't just take you can't just take clippers to really long hair, so it doesn't work. Um, who was that person, and why do they want to hang out with Brandy? <laughs> so that's uh, Melanie Cruz. Uh, she is a wrestler. Um, she's been kicking around for a number of years at this point, sort of 2000, to the late 2000s, I would say, 2008, 2009, she kind of started. She was um, wrestling all over the place, really. Uh, I've seen her wrestle for Shimmer uh, in the past, but she's wrestled for a lot of different places. But yeah, Shimmer's probably the biggest company she'd wrestled for prior to joining AEW. Um, She's quite tall. Uh, she's around six feet or so. So for a, a, a women's wrestler, that's pretty tall. Um, but yeah, she was signed, I believe. Um, but as we'll see in the coming weeks, the Nightmare Collective never really clicks. And it, it soon kind of dies a, a death. And rather than being written off, it's just like, let's just forget it. And she kind of seemed like a bit of a uh, a victim of that. It wasn't like, okay, we're not going to run with this faction anymore. We'll move everyone from it off into different things. Uh, like Awesome Kong disappears. Menly Cruz disappears. A couple of other members who we've yet to see join, stay on, but don't really get used all that much or in a significant way. But yeah, she was uh, kind of a veteran at rest- uh, female wrestler at this point, Menly Cruz. So uh, we'll see. I-, I don't remember if she has any or many matches. Really can't remember for AW, but we will see in the coming weeks. But yeah, she is someone of significance. All right. So the best thing about that whole segment was once it's over and we're suffering through another advert break, you do get the delightful moment on Fight TV where the crowd, the most delightful chant I've heard for a long time, what just happened? Because <laughs> <laughs> they are as confused as we are at home. There was a funny bit earlier that we didn't mention actually it was i think it was after the nyla rose match uh when they they had the advert but you hear jim ross go that's a really good really good segment really strong segment that <laughs> jim ross 
He does. He does. He does like his strong segments. Yeah, the other bit that we skipped, of course, was the Dark Order promo, mm. which we haven't come back to. Let's just kind of do uh, a mass review of Dark Order promos when something actually happens with that faction. For the best, yeah. we got a while yeah, yet. I then. think so. <laughs> oh, because uh, I've got to say, not enjoying it yet. No, no, definitely not. So we have another men's singles action tonight. It is more people who are perhaps better known for their tag team work at this point in their careers. It's a match that's been building. Um, Probably should have happened a bit sooner than it did, but it's Pentagon Jr. against Christopher Daniels. They've had beef ever since Chris Daniels was taken out of the tag tournament, replaced by his stable mate, um, Scorpio Sky. But yeah, Pentagon and Christopher Daniels finally going one-on-one in this grudge match. So if you have beef with Chris Daniels, is that a beef curry or... Oh, yes. I like it. There we go. Got that in. Brilliant. So yeah, go go right back to the start of the tag tournament injury where, where Penta and Phoenix jumped SCU and tried to put them out of action. Chris Daniels is now fully recovered and back at his best. Mm-hmm. Although if he was back at his best, he probably wouldn't be doing a Freddie Mercury tribute act. <laughs> and swinging the mic stand about but that's fine mm-hmm. that's fine um what's your favorite era of chris daniels it's got to be early days of tna hasn't it when he was part of that x division roster that was just untouchable uh it's spoken about a lot but that triple threat with christopher daniels aj styles and samoa joe is just still brilliant to this day um he that was kind of christopher daniels at the top of his game um and it, you know, it was, it was kind of his peak. Uh, he's an older wrestler, and um, still wrestles absolutely brilliant now. But yeah, that was that was his prime and his peak. And yeah, just any combination of some of the X Division wrestlers TNA had at that time made their shows worth watching. All the other stuff around it pretty dreadful, but the X Division stuff was always good to excellent. Uh, and Chris Daniels is a very important part of that. Yeah, Fallen Angel Chris Daniels for me mm-hmm. as well. Not to be confused with the Fallen Daniels Chris Angel. Yes, That's very different. different. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so quick fire start to this match. And it was a bit shorter than I was expecting. Daniels jumps Penta right at the beginning, as he should. He's pissed yep. off this guy, tried to put him out of action. Yeah, I like that. Tries to do a package pile driver, but it gets reversed. And instead he eats the ramp. Um, and then they get back into the ring and the match actually starts. Yes. Um, now there's a bit when Chris Daniels goes for that Arabian moonsault and misses and eats ramp again. Do you think that was played for? Because I kind of thought it was. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it wasn't. Did we just maybe have too much credit for Chris Daniels? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> if he if he did miss that and eat ramp for the second time of the night, he did it in a way which made it look like it was really supposed to happen. Yeah, I I believe it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was a, a mistake or it wasn't meant to happen. That that seemed played for for me. Yeah. Uh, overall, quite a fun match. I thought good speed to it, good wittiness. Yeah. There was good psychology building up to it. Gets a bit messy towards the end where Phoenix runs down to ringside. He's trying to interfere, throws in the mic stand. Instead, Daniels gets it. considers using it briefly and the crowd are all like, oh, don't do it, Chris. And Chris <laughs> is like, all right, then I won't do it. And and then what, what does he get for being nice? He gets a kick square in the Fallen Angels. And then the package pile driver for his troubles. He does, he does. Don't do that again. <laughs> no, you hit someone with your mic stand in future, it's safer for you. Yeah, so I presume Penta went over from that, because I didn't actually write down the finish. Yes, he did, yeah. Yeah, there we go. Package pile driver will usually put you away the same move that put him out of action for the tag tournament. Mm-hmm. Not, not a good outing for Chris Daniels. It's a good revenge here. 
It's good that he managed to get his revenge for being put out of the tournament. Yeah, it? yeah. I mean, he tried. Bless him. But he's got other jobs to do. He's head of talent, so, you know, he's a busy man. He's got that marching band. He's got a... Exactly, that's as well, yeah. 60 bucks every week. Does that, so. <laughs> that's it. Uh, now we get 3B explained. I'm trying to repackage Butcher and the Blade. Okay. In a kind of exciting boy band type like hype package by nice. calling them free B. What do you reckon? Yeah, I like it. That's working. So Butcher, Bunny, Blade. Mm. And they try and explain why they attack Cody. Yeah. They don't really though, do they? No. Um, no, it's it's a mess. Yeah. I have questions. Why is Blade wearing a gimp mask with buttons for eyes like he's in the children's cartoon Coraline? This is the thing with Blade. Butcher does it to an extent as well, but Blade does it a bit more often where he tries a bit too hard to be like weird and creepy and it, it never works for him. It's just, you look good enough without silly masks or sunglasses or stuff on you. you, you without that, you're fine. Like you're, you're trying a little bit too hard to find a look and you've already got a perfectly good one without putting these extra bits and bells and whistles on. But yeah, he's, he's a bit guilty of that. He probably doesn't need to wear the creepy kind of butcher's tunic down to ringside as well, because mm. that makes him look like the butcher, not yeah, the butcher. Yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. Like, it is, it is a bit confused. Um, butcher here in this scene, he kind of looks like he's in an alternate universe version of Mythbusters, <laughs> where they use their powers for evil. <laughs> yeah, I like that. And I think I want to see that show. Yeah, no, I'd definitely watch that. I love Mythbusters. It's right up there with kind of Robot Wars and BattleBots mm. is like my guilty shit TV. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, better, better than this promo. So. I thought you were going to say podcast then. Great. You take that back. Uh, no, I like this podcast. Yeah, it's good for you. It's the only thing that gives my weak focus. <laughs> there so. you go. If nothing else. Well, let's get on to the finals match of the evening. It is a one-on-one match. I love it. It's not for a belt or anything. And they've already had an unsanctioned lightouts match, but mm-hmm. this is officially their first time meeting an AEW. I don't get it. Who have we got and why? <laughs> it's John Moxley against Joey Janela. Uh, yeah, we saw it set up earlier in the night, and like you say, they've already had their lights out, but that's not not considered official. So even the commentators, this is the first meeting of these two. It's, well, it's not. You can't say that just because the other one was non-sanctioned. They have wrestled. Um, yeah, and it's, it's kind of one of those backwards things again where the first match was non-sanctioned, so it was hardcore, it was all over the place, lots of plunder and exciting things happening, and their second match is just a regular match. Like, well, this isn't going to be as good then, is it? It's nowhere near as exciting, and it's the first match was in these guys' wheelhouse, and now you're just putting them one-on-one normally. It's like, oh, take away the things that people want to see from these two guys, especially against each other. But it's it's not bad. It's all right. You know what you're getting with this. You do, yeah. Yeah, even though it's not unsanctioned, there's a certain type of match that if you put Joey Janela and John Moxley together, you're going to get, and you get that exact match. Hmm. So I, I don't want to go full Jim Cornette and say backwards booking after they've already had the unsanctioned. It is what it is. Yeah. And it, you know what? It's TV match at the end of the day. It's not pay-per-view. People hmm. haven't paid a fortune for their seats. True. It is on free television. Just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Lots of head spiking from Joey Janela. I think he's trying to go for Trent Beretta's 
bad neck title. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's Joey, isn't it? He's got no regard for himself. I wouldn't hire Joey Janela, and here's a simple reason why. Mm-hmm. Now I know a certain degree of it's kayfabe, but he has publicly stated he doesn't care if he dies in the ring. Yeah, uh, and that's that's good for his gimmick. He might think a different like that, but. If you don't care if you die in the ring, I don't trust you to give a shit about the person you're wrestling. Yeah, good point. I don't trust you to keep that person safe. Uh And if John Moxley, who is a potential million-dollar gate-drawing wrestler, and he is, as we've seen, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't wouldn't put you in his hands. Even though, like, Moxley can clearly defend himself against Joey Janela. Yeah. You get... You know, if you get a glass light bulb in your eye, mm-hmm. this game over, and it's you know you, you can't you can't walk that back easily. True, but yeah, I just I know you like Joey Janela. I don't dislike him. I think there is a place for him in wrestling. I'm not sure if I feel there's a place for him on weekly TV with networks. Yeah, this was the thing I was kind of hoping with Joey when he did sign with AW. I was like, okay, you've done your stuff to get noticed, your silly bonkers things. But you're a very capable and competent wrestler. You you can look really good doing wrestling stuff. And I was hoping that joining AEW would be the thing that made him go, okay, I can leave my deathmatch stuff in the past. I can still go to it on occasion like he did with Mox, but make him realise he doesn't really need to. But he never got that out of his head. And I think that did him a disservice and why he's not with the company now. Because as soon as he left, he went over to Japan and was put in like skewers through his cheeks and things. It's like, you don't need to do this now, Joey. You're better than that. And I, I just don't think he realises he's better than that, which is a shame. Hopefully one day he'll realise it before it's too late, really. I mean, sometimes I think I give AEW too much credit because looking at who they had putting it all together with Cody and the Elite, and looking who they had financially back it, I instantly considered this a second promotion. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you've got NWA, yeah, you've got TNA, sort of, barely. Yeah. But there is a big drop-down from WWE to AEW, and then a big drop-down again from AEW to everyone else. Mm-hmm. I consider AEW the second. I think most people do. But I think perhaps if you're the first person signed to AEW, like Joey Janela was, you don't necessarily have that perspective to think what a big opportunity this is. Yeah. And yeah. you instead think, oh, it's just me and my mates doing some stuff that we always do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it is a missed opportunity to go, right, how would I treat, if I got signed by WWE tomorrow, mm. how would I go into that and how would I treat it? Yeah. And I think you need a lot more people doing that in AEW. And a whole lot less people go into it thinking, I don't need to be told what to do. I know how to wrestle. I know how to entertain the crowd. Yeah. It's true. They do. They all do that. Mm -hmm. But you've got a huge opportunity. And, uh, yeah, maybe I should have all listened to Punk and Regal. (laughs) Because it's not just Punk who they've scared off. It's Regal. And when when William Regal is saying people won't listen, Mm. it does make me worried about the future of the company. Yeah, it, it reminds me, um, there's a wrestler called uh, TJ Perkins, TJP. And he was he was very, very young when he got into the business. He could do a lot of stuff that was very impressive. And he had a, a running WWE. They bought him in as part of the Cruiserweight Classic, and he won the very first one. And he was their very first sort of Cruiserweight champion when they relaunched that title. But he was very outspoken about the fact, I know everything. And it's like... I he, he sort of came up with this comment, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he sort of said, I don't listen to anyone. I don't need to listen to anyone. Like, There's no one 
I'm in a wrestling company that's better than me, so I don't need to listen. And like, he'd wrestled in New Japan at this point and he'd been around Okada and Jushin Liger and Tanahashi. And it's like, you're better than those people. Like, if they came, if Jushin Liger came up to you, like, who developed the cruiserweight style you do, you wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for him. He came up to you and said, just a few pointers do this, you're not going to listen. And there are people like that in the business who just, you know, they believe their own hype. They've never, just, they've decided, I don't need to listen. I, I know my stuff. And it's such a shame because these wrestlers who think like that could be a million times better if they did listen to the people that have been around and seen everything. And it's a shame because, you know, they're they're ruining it for themselves a lot of the time. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I, it, it does sound a bit of a downer to an end of the episode on to kind of go like, hey, more people in AEW need to be willing to learn and willing to listen. Otherwise, the company is going to die. But it's been a rough year for mm. AEW. Oh, you can't pretend it hasn't been. And they're damn lucky that Moxley didn't go on holiday and they're damn lucky that they managed to get MJF to come back. How much of that was a work? Yeah, I think WWE's become something that is an is an option again. I think while Vince was in charge, yeah, people could say, nah, not interested. He, he won't use me right. Triple H is in charge now. And with we've seen when he was doing NXT that he could put on hell of a wrestling show and he was happy to push people who wanted to work. And I think a lot of people, we've heard it, like there are people from AW that have gone, oh, if Trips came calling now, I'd listen. And I think before, yeah. if, they, if they said, Vince wants to call you, go, oh, nah, he didn't use me before. I'm not, I don't care now. So wrestling is changing again. Um, and there are going to be options and openings for people. Triple H has been on hell of a hiring spree. Uh, since he's been in charge and he has brought back a lot of people that Vince fired because they were his guys and he saw something in them. So yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, I think, over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, if you're Adam Cole, where are you going to go? Well, that's it. That is it. Yeah. Are you going to stay with your girlfriend in a company that has shown a lot of faith in you? Mm. Or are you going to go back to the guy who arguably made you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's not, he's not going to have you as a manager and cutting your hair and yeah. changing the name, he will let you be Adam Cole because he made money off you being Adam Cole. So, yeah. That's the thing. We're, we're, we're reviewing 29 AEW and AEW had an open goal for three years mm-hmm. from 2019 all the way through to kind of mid-2022. Yep. They had an open goal where all they had to do was put on average wrestling shows and they were going to look at a million dollars because mm-hmm. they weren't killing people with eight to ten hours of content every week, bad content and a pay-per-view every three weeks, a bad pay-per-view every three weeks. Uh Uh, That open goal isn't an open goal anymore, and it's going to get a whole lot tougher from here on out. 2023 is going to be probably the most interesting year in wrestling since 99, 2000, I would say. I think so. I think think the Royal Rumble is going to be interesting this year because they they like surprises in that. And I think Mm. we might see a couple of people... Hello, they've they've turned up, have they? Um, so yeah, and going into WrestleMania season is always big for WWE. So yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. So see, it sounds like we're being negative, but we're mm. actually we're reframing it now as twenty twenty three could be the most exciting year in wrestling for a long time. So yeah, interesting stuff. So let's just wrap this up. Joey Janela versus Mox. It mm. pretty much goes how you expect it. Well, there is a nice turnbuckle German suplex where Moxley clouts his head yep. and credit to Joey Janela. He does a pinpoint accurate 
splashed from the top rope onto a standing Moxley through the timekeeper's table. Yeah. The timekeeper's table in AEW at that point was quite small and a bit <laughs> higher. Yeah. So fair play. They absolutely nailed that. It broke perfectly. They were both safe. Uh, Moxley kicks out of it a big elbow drop from Joey Janela. That's probably the biggest spot of the match for yep. Joey. Definitely. Paradigm shift onto the top turnbuckle, sort of. Mm-hmm. Doesn't quite work, but Mox does a clean one in the ring and gets the win. Yeah, he does the high angle one, which is more the Death Rider, his New Japan finish, which is, is the high angle paradigm shift. Yeah, that, that puts Joey away. Yeah, I was really surprised when Excalibur didn't call it as such. Yeah, they, they he didn't start doing that until kind of recently, really, where there are two kind of different moves. Uh, yeah. yeah. At first, it was just like, no, that's just the paradigm shift. But yeah, they are they are considered different moves now. It's just like super finishes the Death Rider. So Chris Jericho comes out after the match is finished. Yep. And he's got a belt. He has. That's it. Really doesn't do anything. Doesn't come down. Doesn't interact. No mic work. It's a recreation, isn't it, of what Moxie did yeah. to him last week. It's it's Jericho doing the same thing, trying to get into Moxie's head. Moxie's having none of it. He's like, come on, let's do this. The foot is on the other shoe, so they say. That's it. Before we go to our wrap-up of the show, let's do a quick run-through of the matches recorded for AEW Dark. Recorded on the same day as this show. So yeah, three matches. Um, opens up with a three-way between Scorpio Sky, Jimmy Havoc and Peter Avalon. Uh, Scorpio Sky wins that one, thankfully. That's what we like to see. Uh, next two matches, definitely worth checking out. Uh, Jurassic Express, uh, the team of Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt. So no Jungle Boy wrestling in this one, though he is at ringside uh, against Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Uh, Pre-Dark Order, Reynolds and Silver, but still very, very good. Love their tag team offense. I think they work so, so well together. Um, so yeah, definitely worth checking that one out. Uh, and the last match of the night got four stars uh, from Big Melt. So, yeah, for a dark match to get four stars, that's got to be worth checking out. It's Kenny Omega. He defeats Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. Interesting stuff. Actually, that sounds like quite a packed AEW. Mm. An interesting look at AEW Dark there from Peter. Yes. A professional. <laughs> well done, Peter. Thank now, you. Now, let's do the quick wrap-up of the show. Dynamite episode 10. What do you think was the best match of the night? Uh, you see, although it started a bit clunky i really got into Statlander versus shida so i'm going to give it to those two nice i'm going to give it to ray phoenix and trent Ferretta. very good really strong uh, not an opening match it was the second match but it was mm. just a really strong match yeah it was and it's nice to see trent in singles action because i fucking hate chuck taylor it's a bit much, but I don't like. The, I, I haven't seen. I haven't. Se- oh god, I haven't seen his best yet, and I'm looking forward to doing so. I'm. I'm thinking. Watching these, I'm like, was it good? Was Was the stuff I remember between, between them and Proud and Powerful actually good? I've got to stick by it. It was. I, I remember at the time loving it. So fingers crossed, it's not rose tinted. But yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that's that remains good. But we'll see. Did you only like the first? three years of AEW because you didn't have me going, well, that's shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm hanging up. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So MVP of the evening? Um, That's a tough one. Um, I reckon probably Dustin Rhodes because of how good he looked in that match. Full of young talent that wrestled very differently to him. He he didn't seem out of place in that match. He, he looked really good. So yeah, I'm giving it to Dustin. 
Dustin was great. I can see why you picked that. I'm going to go with Shida because uh, mm-hmm. she held together a match that yep. was a really good quality match with someone who was a bit green around the edges. Mm-hmm. And I just really like Hikaru Shida. Well done. Well, well done, that lady. Congratulations. Overall, then, good show. Liked it. Fun. Not groundbreaking, but a solid TD effort. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, that's it. Um, for this year, we are going to have two weeks off over Christmas and New Year. Uh, so currently, we probably will not be back in your podcast selection boxes until the 11th of January if we record on our normal schedule. you got to give us Christmas and New Year. I don't want to record on those. We do traditionally record on Sundays. And you know what? We're having a little bit of time off. Why not? Let's do it. Why not? Why not? If you want to follow us on social media and you are not already, why not? Where can they find you, Pete? They can find me on Twitter, at Pitwa. They can find me on Instagram, uh, at Pitwa80. That's my geeky stuff, comics, toys, games, things like that. And uh, Pitwa is for my art, which I promise I will do some more of over Christmas and upload some new things. I've got a couple of ideas of some wrestlers I'm going to be drawing, so look out for those. Uh, and you can also follow the podcast on Facebook. Look for Double View Wrestling Podcast. Give us a follow or a share. Get it out there to your friends and family and let us know that we're kicking around. Nice. You can follow me on Twitter at DiabraveSid, where I mostly take pictures of all the new toys that I've bought this week. And it's insane how many toys a man can get in a week. It really <laughs> is. And you can follow the podcast on Twitter at AEWview. So please do, if you haven't done so already, but I'm sure you have. Uh as always, give us a share on social media and tell other wrestling fans about our humble little show. Thank you, everyone. We will be back in January with Dynamite Week 11, Episode 11. Happy Christmas, happy holidays, happy new year, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, and the others. The others are good. The others are great. <laughs>